Go Loud presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. So I had it um, frozen and it made a huge difference. And it was just because it was a kind of an isolated pocket. Ooh. <laughs> I like what you did there. <laughs> Name that shit. <laughs> You're frozen. Yes, that's exactly what I was. Frozen. And it worked. I'm Brendan Courtney. And I'm Sonia Lennon. And you're listening to the Lennon Courtney Podcast. To launch episode one of series eight, we're giving you the thinking woman's guide to Madonna's face. A controversial woman who has always pushed against societal expectations. In this episode, we talk age, art, gender, feminism and fillers. And don't forget some good old fashioned misogyny. Plus, I reveal what work I've had done. Oh my, what a tease. And there's only one way to find out. Keep on listening. Welcome to season eight of the Lennon Courtney podcast. I am so excited. And I am Sonia Lennon. <laughs> I'm less excited and I'm Brendan Courtney. <laughs> That's our life, right? Yeah, yeah, you're constantly excited. I am excited. And I try to ruin it for you. No, I'm joking. I am excited. We have about one this. glass between us, let's just say. One glass and you drunk it all. <laughs> How have you been, dear, even though I know? Good. I've been really good. I'm I'm so happy that we're back recording again. Um, and uh, I don't know how long has our little break been? Pre-Christmas. Yeah. Um, a lot has happened. And then at the same time, a lot hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, we are now entering a new phase of our existence, I think. A bit For of sure. opening, a bit of loosening, <laughs> a bit of dancing. Sounds like trying to get me into bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we think drunkenly that did happen before. We're not entirely yeah, we're sure. we're not entirely sure, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, answer on a postcard if you're in Barking that nightclub up that the night. Barking yeah. <laughs> So, uh, what is series eight of the Lennon Courtney podcast? What are we attempting to achieve with this series just to set, us, set our stall out? Well, we kind of looked at all the previous series. We looked at all the comments and all the feedback that we got. Um, and I think we're reintroducing our friendly banter and our different perspectives. And we're taking a meaty topic Um and we are dissecting it from multiple points of view. So today's episode, Brendan, tell us what it is. It's called Madonna's Face. Uh, I'm a fan, first of all. Let's put that out there. And, and Simply of her face or of all of her? Of, of her music and of her career and of her expression and of her... When she speaks, she's very eloquent. I, I've watched lots of interviews with her over the years. I've seen her in concert many times. Um, but specifically why I suggested we talk about this is uh, she's had a lot of work in recent couple of years and she's very open about it. And she had like bum implants and she's had her cheeks really pumped out and she has changed the structure of her face. And it's it's a matter of opinion. Should You should probably keep it to yourself. I don't believe we should comment on people's appearances, but about whether or not you think she looks good. But suffice to say, she has had a lot of work in recent years. That's all fine. But what drew my attention to this was the fact that she posts, she very, very viral on Instagram and Twitter as well and everything. She posted a, a kind of a funny picture of her under a bed. People might remember it. And it was just her two butt cheeks and her legs sticking out of the butt. And lots of people did lots of funny things about the Wicked Witch of the West and the house is falling Super spreader event. Super spreader event, all this kind of thing. 50 Cent the rapper, who they she claims were friends, uh, was really mean about it. And he was ageist. He said her... What old, did he actually say? Okay, I'll re So basically, she posted the picture. I had actually seen the picture, and I re 
shared the picture saying, I think Madonna's lost a shoe under the bed. So mine was kind of a gentle jibe because it was a bit of a funny looking picture because her legs are kind of splayed in a in a kind of a toddlery kind of way. So it's not... I think it's probably safe to assume that at least 90% of our audience have seen the picture. It Do was you think huge. so? Oh yeah, yeah it went okay. everywhere. So And it was a funny looking picture because she's had cheek implants in her backside and so her, her, it does look a little odd right but whatever like that's each their own he wrote that's Madonna under the bed trying to do like a virgin at 63 she's shot out if she don't get her old ass up so it's completely ageist his judgement was about the fact that she's a woman in her 60s still being sexually provocative and the photograph obviously maybe jarred a little bit with that but it was, I think that was completely uncalled for. I think that was blatantly ageist. And she called it out and she, she basically said, here's 50 Cent, a picture she posted on Instagram, pretending to be my friend. Now you've decided to talk smack about me. <laughs> She's got all the, <laughs> all the jibe. I guess your new career is getting attention by trying to humiliate others on social media. The least elevated choice you could make as an artist and an adult. You're just jealous you won't look as good as me or have as much fun when you're my age. Too bad there are no sour grapes emojis at 50 cent so she came back at him and then he did apologise but it got me thinking she's so public about her work and about who she is as an artist and about her age and she has all and what's interesting is if you track back about her talking about women in the music industry she has constantly been combating or arguing about the fact that women are judged for ageing and you and I both know that is absolutely the truth absolutely I mean she came she went so far as to say at the Billboard Music Awards that ageing is a sin Yes. in her industry and that she was going to be penalised for it commercially for physically ageing before everybody's eyes and you know this is the whole argument and that's why you know we got so excited about having this discussion because there is a huge conversation around whether you know cosmetic surgery is a feminist act are you t- are you claiming your power certainly if you look at Madonna's narrative of that journey she's saying well you know screw you guys I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to turn back the time. I'm going to be who I want to be and, and continue to be commercially relevant. And actually, she is creating a relevance by creating this talking point. So in a funny way, she's, she's creating her own power. A very good friend of mine, we mentioned uh, uh, Alex a lot. He said, what's the biggest disappointment of 2021? And I said, COVID. And he said, no, Madonna. And he's been a fan. And I was like, we had this great discussion. This is um, last September. And it probably put this topic in my head where by the end of the discussion, he agreed that his comments were ageist. He said, God, yeah, I suppose they are fundamentally, it's an ageist approach. We, th- we judge women differently well, so it's ageist and it's gendered. And it's so, gendered. So it's, it's actually a, kind of a perfect storm yes. of, of misplaced ire and, and, and hatred. And, and like it's, it's, it's almost like, well, first of all, there is the kind of immutable fact of procreation and where that sits with sex, right? So society, I think, has always thought, well, once, once you stop being uh, a functional procreator, you might as well leave the sex mantle down you, you know you're over that sure what 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 do you care whether you're sexually attractive or not if you can't make children and that's kind of where it comes from that's where it comes from well, let's get to that in a minute esther smack us around the head with your facts please <laughs> okay so here they are 85 percent of people who have cosmetic surgery are women told you 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think that was a surprise. 6.5 billion is spent by 13 to 17 year olds. That's bananas. The average millennial takes 25,000 selfies in their lifetime. So go back to the 13 to 17 year olds. So that's a lot of teenagers spending money on plastic surgery. Yeah. Would you let your teenagers get plastic surgery? <laughs> that's a funny one, you know, because I, when I was growing up, there was a friend of mine who had corrective surgery on his ears. Because his ears made him miserable. I know, they, lots of people have had that. They, they, so that's cosmetic surgery, right? So, But it's the accepted face of it or the accepted ear of it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So if... Uh, Do you know what? My, somebody I know very close to me, I, I, they might want me to say it, but I know somebody who had it as a, at about 12, 13, had their ears pinned back. But it, was, it, it was, hadn't, didn't happen when I was like 12, 13. So I used to go to bed and sellotape my ears back. And it worked. Did, didn't it? <laughs> Sure, it did. <laughs> I used to go to bed covered in um, pseudo cream for the spots, and then sellotape the ears back every night. My and I used to put a hair clip to keep my fringe back off my forehead, so I didn't get any more. But would you let them get plastic surgery? I, I wouldn't let my kids get plastic surgery right now because I can't see a justification for it. But if there was, if either one of them were suffering from something that was, um negatively affecting their quality of life. So if one of them had Dumbo ears, you'd say, get them pinned back. Well, thanks for the the, the, <laughs> the description. But if, if, if something was really causing pain to them, I would absolutely consider it. Yeah, but pain is relative, right? It, so my Dumbo is. ears, which weren't an option to get pinned back, and I, I say Dumbo ears as somebody who has Dumbo ears, so sorry for if I'm hurting anyone's feelings. I think but, you might be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am only joking, of course, but and because it's ears, we don't take that seriously. But if you are thirty, if ears are your issue, you're going to take it seriously. Very serious, and that's what I'm saying is it's relative, isn't it? So I I did read, and I probably have the facts here somewhere. We can put it in the notes. Um, There was a piece of research done around the psychological effects of plastic surgery, and and for the majority of people, they're they're positive. The only cohort of people who who it doesn't work for are people who are either suffering suffering from depression or anxiety or body dysmorphia. Oh. So they're, they're they're very linked, and your psychological state and your reasons to get it are very linked. So if you have body dysmorphia and you undergo surgery, there's a very strong chance that you still won't be happy with your body. Okay, so that's very interesting. So let's link that back to Madonna and the Wildenstein effect effectively. So because we can see such a public transformation of her face, her face looks different now. And it does look, it photographs really well. I mean, I've shown you photographs and I go, you got, got to know, if you didn't know who she was, you'd think she was 26 in the mm. photographs, which is kind of weird anyway, in and of itself. But she has changed the shape of her face and she looks different. She looks like a different person now. But you still recognise the woman in there and in the Wildenstein way as well. So, so has she, Madonna, is she part, is she two sides of a, of a, of a, of a knife in that she's, she's being. Literally. Pro, she's being, pro, literally two sides of a knife in that she is being a feminist and proactively anti-ageist and doing what she wants to do. But on the other side, is she, is she, is she got body dysmorphia? Is she getting cheek implants at 63? Does she need to do that? So there's a judgment that goes with her because she's a public persona, right? But fundamentally is the judgment ageist and that's what I'm trying to get to, really. Well, I think I think part of the key is that she is a performer, right? right? So um, you could say that she is exhibiting high levels of narcissism, 
right? So um, it is that the eye is at the centre of everything. You want to back out of the room with her in here, wouldn't you? <laughs> High levels of narcissism, they said. Well, I, 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 I know it when I see it. So, <laughs> but this is, and, and actually narcissism is, they call it the narcissism epidemic. It's exploding. So, you know, it, there's this huge prevalence of narcissistic um, uh, personalities now. TikTok. Well, this is this is part of it, right? So this idea... Exhibitionist, that, basically. This idea that narcissism lives in performative lives. So you're not surprised when Madonna gets surgery, really, or or you're not surprised when there's high levels of narcissism in actors, musicians, theatre performers. We expect it it because it's part of performance, you know. But then you you go back to the fact that millennials will take 25,000 selfies in their lifetime. And that level of performance is now baked into everyday normality. Gosh, it's not it's not just for it's not ring fenced for the creative performance. It's that's your life now. And so when you think about it, Madonna personally is is kind of making a defiant act. But what she's doing is culturally changing the norms of expectation of age. So these, you know, kids who are now uh, undergoing surgery are doing that because and so our expectations of what older age looks like is changing. Is changing. So she's always been a maverick. So, and in this way, she pro- like if you read the posts and, and Instagram tends to be quite a positive place. The, she get, there's a lot of support for her and a lot of love for her. And she has an ardent army of you know hardcore fans uh, who adore her and would die for her and would go all around the world to see her and support her. Um, and she's not without her critics, obviously. Um, but you're right, she, she is kind of trailblazing and it is a difficult place to be, but she's used to being in that place. of being. When she did the sex book, for example, she was really criticised for that, for, for being, you know. And now that seems tame. It is tame now. It you is know? tame. But it's, it's also how we frame it, because, you know, you take, there's, there's a, an extraordinary French uh, performance artist called Orlan, and she has made her body, she's not the only artist, who, artist who's done it, but she's made her body her piece of work. And she she got um, forehead implants years and years ago to try and recreate the Mona Lisa's forehead, and and they went wrong, and they look like Good for her. they look like. But why is that different? Why is it different? Why is it to put not a scalpel to your skin to cause yourself pain in some way for art? No, no, hang on, hang on. Why is it different? Oh yeah. Yeah, if, but I think what I don't know if Madonna. There's certainly there's ages in there, and she is challenging what you know a woman who's in her whatever sixties meant to look like. But I think there's also an issue with Madonna is that I don't know she's made her she's kind of playing the Instagram game. And you're like you don't need to do this. You don't need to make yourself so available. It's constant, and also there's an idea that she has had bad work done, and I think it's almost that it's like a woman can age, and we'll, and we'll let you. Yeah, because I don't think anyone. I mean, but what is bad work? But, that, but that's what, but it's I, but I think it's not. I think it's maybe. No, that no. You can age, ha- but you can age tastefully, and I don't think she's that's doing it. that. Yeah, but well, you see, the point about good work is it can't tell, right? I mean, and that's in the eye of the no, beholder. No, 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 no. That's your perception of it. Oh, well, that's Whereas Madonna's perception of good work is 
that she's so fundamentally changed that her her age is indeterminate. So let's go into that a little bit. So Trout Pout, right? So the, the young girls in Liverpool and wherever, just to be completely generalising, but you know that Trout Pout thing where you can very obviously tell that they've had their lips done. Or, or as my daughter told me, the lip flip. But that the lip is... is new, I've yeah. chatted to a few girls outside the chipper about that. <laughs> We're hanging out <laughs> down the chipper. Outside the chipper. <laughs> Just goes down for spice. I live right Tuesday. beside Th- Thomas Street, the best bars yeah. in the country, <laughs> and a really good place for social experimentation. Just very good. Oh, of course. So chatting to the trope out girls outside the chipper, and um, as an anthropologist, as an anthropologist, and a excuse me, would you, you did a master's, would you have did some, a master's degree? Would you, would you have some salt and vinegar? And mm-hmm. why are your lips like that? No, but I, I have chatted to young women, and it actually is like posh girls who get braces. They want you to see that. They want you to see that their family have invested in their teeth. Like it, it is it, a look. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, it's so like, like in it's some like Asian cultures, tribe. Tribe, where, yes. In some Asian cultures, um, and in in the Middle East, you you feed your children. If you're really rich, you feed your children, um, to the point of obesity to show that you have no scarcity. So so, kids are are really overweight to show wealth. Okay. So so these talismans of wealth and status. Are kind. It doesn't matter what they are. They they are a thing, and you're absolutely right about the braces. And I fight with Evie every week. She wants braces. Her teeth are, in my eyes, perfect. perfect. Right. So now she has a gap the same way I. So I said, go and get the wire, stick it on it. <laughs> I'll help you. Twist it with the pliers. <laughs> once, once no, I didn't fu- say that. I didn't no, no, say no, 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 no. But, but they, they, they explained to me that the, the visual of your lips being very obviously done is uh, a look. Of course and, it and is. And the thing that they want. People, it's a belonging. It's a, it's a look, right? So that's, that's one element of it. But uh, yeah, it's, it, what, what Esther is saying is kind of uh, true in, again, a generalisation that we are, like, I can tell you now Think of any supermodel over 40, she has had work, but she's just had very good work that you well, can the, tell. Well, the, the, the narrative is that uh, it's addictive, right? So, so, so you, you, you do one procedure and then you think, well, that, that actually worked really well. And then you do another procedure and another procedure. And, and Esther, I think it was you who, who read the article, which said that what happens is you go, if you're in kind of high Hollywood mode or whatever, you go to the very best surgeons to get your first batch of work done and then because of the addictive nature of it um, you go back to the top surgeon and he says you've done enough if I do that I'll tip you over the edge of believable yeah because believable. We, you, we look at celebrities and we go well, what they're going doing so well they were doing so well ageing non-gracefully gracefully and then what happened but then so yeah they go to the top tier they do the subtle are you, stuff are you making that up do you no. think did you lie in bed and go I know what happens no no this they go to the cheap I've watched at least three YouTube videos in this brand <laughs> and re- Esther Esther we'll be putting the references we'll in, the show the show in the show notes <laughs> yeah so then they get they get the good work done and then like I just wanted a little bit more lifted and the good surgeon go no because you're going to stretch your face out so, but they, so they go to the next level and that's why they start things start warping so speaking of good work if you join Actually, us after the break I'll tell you what work oh Brendan <laughs> <laughs> welcome back now before I tell you what work I've had done <laughs> let's play a game no I'm joking um, we'll guess what I've had done and it's very good and lots of people sidle up beside me and ask me all about it Brendan are you going to come clean Brendan, you've had a four, forehead implant. I, I now look like the Mona Lisa. You do look like the Mona Lisa. No, um, I wanted to actually drill into that idea that is the judgment more s- simpler 
than ageism. Is it that you're allowed to have work as long as it's good work and we can't tell and you just look. So I I know somebody very close to me who had an incredible facelift. You could never tell. And in fact, what they did was they actually made her earlobes smaller as part of the face because your ears continue to grow and your nose does. But, and I always describe it like this. When you go into someone's house and it's really dirty, you leave the house and you kind of go, God, their house is really dirty. When you go to someone's house and it's really clean, it just looks like a really normal clean house, right? Her face was like that. It was just like a really fresh, clean face. And she was in her late 60s when she had it done. And it it was remarkable. They took away her jowly chin and they just cleaned up her. And it was just a great work that she had done. And I always thought that's the acceptable face of work that mm-hmm. you can't tell, but it lets you age gracefully. Is that what, do you think that's the appropriate way to take? Or is Madonna being disgraceful because it's obvious to us and she's trying to look much younger? So I... That's a question, I, I, by the way. Not yeah. I think it's down to your audience as well. So, and, and what you're trying to achieve. Right. Um, and what your tribe is. So you talk about the girls with the, you know, the, the filled pout, lips yeah. and the trout pout. It's not successful for them unless it's visible. Yeah. So, it, it, you know what? One and of it's, the, slightly, it's kind of sexual, right? Do you know what? One, one of the articles I was reading in, in advance of this was around... The very notion of categorization only started in the 1800s. So um, in the Age of Enlightenment, they, they became obsessed with categorizing things, plants, flowers, people, and everybody started getting bucketed. That was the first time. And it you know where that happened. actually came from? The invention of the printing press. <laughs> It certainly cir- circulated all that information pretty effectively. Yeah. But but it was that movement to try and understand bucket by bucket how the world works. That's the first time it happened. And we, I think, as a society, are obsessed by categorization. Yeah. So it's really important that we know who you are, Where you what tribe you belong, whether you're in or you're out of mine. And, and I wonder, is it time to... And it, I think it is. I mean, look, we, we know it through the studies we've been doing, that it's almost time to start thinking about decategorizing because it's too blunt an instrument. It's like, OK, Madonna's over there in the overworked category. Uh, you know, our friend Alexis Stone from Instagram, whose who's facial transformation and metamorphosis is his life's work. You know, and so we categorise that in, well, that's performative. That's for Instagram. It's 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 not for me. It's too far from what I'll ever do. But my my own categorization of my own journey for betterment is really subtle and that's where I belong. So is mm. that based on that that thinking is is based on the the mechanism of judgment? Totally. So and with judgment it's just a folly, right? So at the end of the day, with judgment just ends in it just ends in aggression. A judgment just ends in pain for people. But so, there's also the question of, of difference versus belonging, you know? Do people then start to say, well, to stand out like I get confused by certain Hollywood A list actresses particularly. They start to look like they start to all look alike and you're like, Well, where's where's the point of difference? Where's the interest? Where's the human in all of this? Mm. If everybody looks the same. And I suppose if you give teenagers, cut them some slack, you know, you want to be in your tribe, you're going to have your big eyelashes and you're going to have your lipstick and you're going to have the same hair. And you're going to, and in some ways as a teenager, if you cast your mind back, you kind of wanted to look like your friends. You wanted to look like you're in Although a gang. I, I remember I absolutely did look like my friends, but I thought I was really distinct. 
Right. You, yeah. you kind of think, well, I'm doing my own thing, but I'm wearing exactly what she's wearing. And you kind of have a warped sense of your own identity. And that's a different and thing. And all of this is about identity at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. And that's an acceptable face of, of trying to fit in and be part of your tribe and, and get and become an adult. But then when you become somebody with a sort of a, a voice and a face and a, a maybe a slight public responsibility representing other women in their 60s and you are or indeed other men or indeed other men um, is a responsibility that goes with that and that's where the judgement comes the judgement comes we don't accept Madonna publicly doing this and over keeping herself as and I think the fundamental issue is she's keeping herself as a sexual object in the public eye and that's jarring for people people don't like that men particularly don't like that she's too old to be doing that isn't that tragic it's awful like I'm team Madonna all the way about this by the way you know and I do think I kind of was having had lunch with her that day oh here we go It was a wonderful oh, afternoon. Yes. It was a wonderful afternoon. Do you know this whole podcast series is a vehicle years. to tell the story of Madonna at lunch? <laughs> but yeah. for me, that's when she looked her finest because she looked, she had those gorgeous, taut yoga arms. She had a strength about her that I always loved in a kind of a power way. And she had her hair was perfect, beautiful face. For me, that was, she was beautiful. Immaculate elbow. Immaculate elbow. Recognise her elbow. Yeah. Uh, but... I was so I was watching the change basically, and I came to the conclusion that there was enough photographs that the aesthetic of the photograph was pleasing enough to me to just enjoy the photograph. I, I remember I said, "You got to say if you didn't know who she was, you'd mm. go, wow, she looks amazing. She looks great. She's beautiful now. She's turned herself into sort of strikingly striking beauty. Now it does look very done as well." Um, but with that came that judgment, and that's what stayed with me the whole time. It's fundamentally about her over sexualization of herself, and people just don't like that. And that's that's misogyny. So tell us about your pec implants, Brendan. Tell us about all your work. Then. That's what we want to know. We are in. We want to. You to I tell you, your that Brazilian bum lift was the best money you ever it's spent. High and tight, and we we love it. I had my voice box removed. <laughs> But do you, would you either of you get any kind of like big work done? I have had work. I was about to tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shut up, Esther. Yeah, I was trying. I was like, he's not going to disclose it. I so am, I'm yeah. So about three stuff. years ago, I was going on a shoot some day, whatever we were doing, I was filming something. And this was particularly, I was tired. We were working hard and my eyelids were getting really hangy. And actually, I could see them in the morning. When I got up in the morning, my eyelids were Samuel Beckett eyelids, I called them. So, you know, those really heavy over, they'd gone really heavy. And I was at the optician and the optician said you're not safe to drive and I was like oh my goodness she said you need to get them removed so I went or monogrammed monogrammed, LV so I went and had my eyelids removed and now I sleep tucked I I, know I like to say that because people go oh do you sleep with your eyes open yes no I just had a little bit of skin it was was a local anaesthetic it was day treatment and they removed a little couple of millimetres of skin from each eyelid to stop it drooping and stop it blocking my vision but it did knock about five years off me it it was amazing. Yeah, was amazing. Now I won't do it again until next year. <laughs> no, but I was really pleased with the result because it was no longer hanging there. Like there was a so that's kind of I think acceptable work. Something that started to droop and hang and block your vision is okay to remove. Well, there's a medical reason for that as well. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. So so that's I think our own personal justification is really important in all of this yeah. because that's the that's the philosophy by which we live. How can you justify to yourself any of your actions? Yeah. Right? That's how you sleep at night. So for me, um, I've had... Oh! Uh, here we go. Um, oh. 
I had one piece of work on my tummy. So I had twins 17 years ago. And here, here's the best free piece of advice you'll ever get. Um, not you necessarily, Brendan, but when I was lying on the surgical table having a cesarean, um, I said to the uh, surgeon, can you just um, do a little tummy tuck while you're down there, seeing as you have me open anyway? And she said, you see, always on the moot, always on the moot. <laughs> and she said to me, I can't because you haven't signed uh, consent. And I said, so you telling me that if I'd signed a form to say you could t- tummy tuck me during this operation, you could have done it. And she said, yes. <gasps> so ladies, ladies, if you are out there and there's any risk of you having a cesarean section, you can whip a couple of inches out while they're sewing you up. Hello. And I, nobody knows that, right? Nobody knows that. So it couldn't be done. But consequently, I was left with a little pooch that was kind of numb. For years, and as you know, I love working out. I love getting fit. I love being fit, and it's a really important part of my identity. And I couldn't, I couldn't shift it, so I had it um, frozen, and it made a huge difference. And it was just because it was a kind of an isolated pocket. Ooh. <laughs> I like what you did there. Name that shit. You're frozen. Yes, that's exactly what I was frozen, and it worked. It definitely worked. Um, so yeah, so, so that's, so that's I mean, my admission. What do they do? So, so they, Esther, they really, yeah, I'm getting all these. What have you had? There's <laughs> a smattering of Vaseline on my eyelids, uh. and that's it. Blink, blink, blink. But so what? They freeze your tummy and just blast the. What do they do? What do you mean? They put a little. Um, they put a little sort of device on, um, and they. It's they, not lipo. It's not lipo. No. Okay. It's lipo. Actually, sorry. It's actually freezing. The, the the fat cells and then they massage it they do kind of a, a pretty intense massage to break up the fat cells and it, and they kind of dissolve over three months so it takes quite a while to see the full results um, but it, it what's it called? it's called um, freeze my fatty tummy there's something though, didn't that supermodel Linda Evangelista was in the press recently because she had some sort of frozen oh, thing she, on her uh, chin but they went she was the one person in one seven thousand million person that they can go bad on and it's, she's now suing them because so that's probably worth saying Esther yeah there you go <laughs> so them? I take no legal no responsibility, legal responsibility. <laughs> yeah so she's yeah so she's like she's lost work I think it's and, called I'm, I want to say cryo cryotherapy something like that so, you can find out google them now and have, have, and have a look at it um, but actually can I just read something out before from, from it was in the Irish Times last month just on the idea of like there's so much pressure now to kind of just it seems easier than ever just to be able to get your lips done or get your eyes done or get whatever you want done but there's a, a dermatologist Professor Katrina Ryan of the Institute of Dermatologists she said the psychology behind perception drift is really interesting it's been shown that if you show a group of 20 people photos of lips and ask what they consider an aesthetically ideal lip they'll pick out somewhere in the middle ground to begin with but if you show them pages and pages of larger lips or you're scrolling Instagram looking at these uh, you know, these really beautiful clean no poor face that all been photoshopped then you'll kind of your your what you perceive as a normal will adjust and so when you go back to choosing what lips you like you'll choose a bigger lip than before it's like there's a perce- there's a drift in all our perceptions of what is normal or then are you just stupid like Could i no thick. no but that's a psychological effect right that's, stupidity is a psychological effect no 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 no, effect. no 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 what what you see all around you all the time becomes your normal oh yeah no so for example just to drill into that so when you're on holiday by the end of the two weeks you're wearing the espadrilles and the floaty things everybody <laughs> else is wearing i always notice that when you you kind of evolve to what other you next when you buy a top that you'd never buy but everybody's wearing it yeah i know what you mean you do evolve into that but Maybe it's because we remember a time before the internet. 
you can tell the minute you look at a photograph it's filtered. Mm. You can, and then people put no filter and they're looking for an award for it. Now that's just normal life, right? <laughs> shut up. Like it's really <laughs> obvious. That is your face. Yeah. yeah. I just write shut up underneath them all. I know you yeah. do. <laughs> So what have we learned from this illuminating and extravagant time together this afternoon? What what for, takeaways? What, well, what, what for, little nuggets can we take? For me, like, I, I don't think there's any shame in wanting to look good. And, and an element of self-preservation and I, I think it helps its self-esteem at the end of the day. And it's about what, what your self-esteem needs to, to be fueled so that you can enjoy your life and and you know so b- back to your point if 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 it's making you really unhappy and you have the wherewithal to do something about it um why not do it I, but i often think you know so the 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 prevalence of of body dysmorphia is teeny tiny in the population i think it's or as my father used to say you'll grow into them ears there you go right <laughs> um i think uh what did we say something like 0.07% of the the population suffer from body dysmorphia. I often thought if you were in extreme circumstances of survival, so if you were in, you know, some war-torn country or if you were starving, um, your whole community, your whole village was starving, wonder what the prevalence of body dysmorphia is there. And so survival and all your kind of basic human needs need to be fed first before you can indulge your individualist. Yep, 100%. I hadn't actually joined the dots to accept and realise, even though I've kind of subconsciously and maybe consciously always felt it about Madonna, but actually she just deserves our respect. Whatever her motivations are for how she wants to appear, she is changing the perception of how people see older people. And that for me is a positive. Just to change the perception. Not that it's a good perception or a bad perception. It's just a different perception of how people age. And I think she is owning that power of how she chooses to age. And that by itself will fight ageism in the workplace, in the home, everywhere, across society. So that deserves our respect, I think. Yeah, it's changing the discourse. I mean, there's a lot of literature out there about the alignment of cosmetic surgery and feminism. You know, including stories of women who have got boob jobs for ostensibly medical reasons because it's tax deductible. So why why would they not get it if they can claim it against their taxes? You know, and that becomes then a, an act of empowerment. Um, so I think I, I think we we make choices and mm. we have our own personal justifi- justifications. And it's like that idea that you know we judge ourselves by our intentions, but others judge us by our behaviours. So they're not always aligned. And just to say, Madonna, if you're listening, I'm on 087. (laughs) (laughs) Call me. I've been calling you for two years. (laughs) So to accompany this uh, wondrous podcast, we've also uh, launched our newsletter, the Lennon Courtney newsletter, which we're very excited about, aren't we, Brendan? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Would you like me to elucidate on why we're excited? Uh, The newsletter is a little peek inside our minds with some recommendations and a little top line about what the podcast is each week and also some surprises along the way. Surprise! I I might pop a little before and after picture of my eyelids in. Oh, hello. That's going to get clicks right up. I was very high on Valium when I took those photographs. (laughs) And that, that brings episode one of season eight, the Lennon Courtney podcast, to a beautiful close. Thank you. 
Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dumbo Weird. Thanks, Jenny. The Len and Courtney podcast is an Exceed Potential production. Esther O'Mordonoghue, me, is producer and social media is managed by Julie Gartland. With special thanks to D-Ready at Go Loud. Follow at Len and Courtney on all social media platforms for the latest news and updates. New episodes are released every Thursday. Rah!